This episode is brought to you by the podcast Dating Confessions with Alicia and Jack. You ever think, man, I need a podcast to play for my Bible study group? Well, this show isn't the one for you. Dating Confessions with Alicia and Jack is very entertaining and makes everyone feel better about their relationships. Raunchy, scandalous, and straight-up crazy dating and relationship stories submitted by their listeners that make you cringe, laugh, and wonder how these stories are even real. For adults, 18 and over, here as they discuss topics such as the Craigslist episode, he picked me up in a hearse, and meeting the parent for the first time. Put the kids to bed and listen to the outrageous stories on dating confessions with Alicia and Jack. Listener discretion is advised. This show is NSFW. This week on the Spivey Special Podcast, we'll be talking about the chicken dinner house, we'll share our proposal stories, and we'll be talking about the malice at the palace. Welcome to episode 28 of the Spivey Special Podcast. No guest this week, just me and Troy here in the studio slash my kitchen table. Kind of feels a little lonely, but I think we're just going to get back to what we started with. I mean, we did, before we had guests, I think 24 episodes alone, so. Yeah, we, we've done this a few times. <laughs> Getting back on the old proverbial horse. Speaking of horse, nice segue there, Troy. You like that? ESPN is in the works of creating a horse television show because that's the only way we can get sports is we have to have virtual horse. Yeah, they can't even be like together. It can't be like that McDonald's commercial with Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. I think that it should be those two, though, playing against each other. Off the stadium, off the football cart. Nothing but net. Yeah. Nailed it. One of my favorite commercials of all time. Um, what else did we do today? We had a very important um, business meeting today. We had a Zoom call with all of the Spiveys all at once. It was overwhelming. There was probably 20 to 25 people in one Zoom meeting. It got kind of weird, like especially if you did the one where it pops up to the big screen on who's talking. It was just like strobing because everyone was talking at the same time. It was pretty cool. It felt like a business meeting though because we had to like one at a time. Tell me what you're doing during COVID-19. Yeah, it was like pretty good. Like who had the best report and Zach wasn't wearing pants for normal. So it was kind of (laughs) cool. At least I was wearing a shirt. Yeah. For everybody's sake. Definitely. (laughs) All right. Well, it's just me and Troy this week. So... We're going to go super random with our topics this week. Why wouldn't we? They don't really go together, but they're the ones that we want to talk with, talk about that we're not quite sure that guests would also want to be involved with. So No one wants to talk about how we propose to our wives. Not even our wives. No. They probably wouldn't even listen to this episode. Like, ugh, <laughs> proposal. Why did I say yes? Yeah, people will never know. Yeah. All right, Troy, let's, uh, you want to get started? Let's do it. All right. We'll take a quick break and come back with Food Court Files. All rise. It's time for the Food Court Files. This week for Food Court Files, we're talking about a place near and dear to our hearts. We went there during many a Spivey family Southern California vacation. 
It's the old chicken dinner house at Knott's Berry Farm. Another healthy place to go and eat. Our favorite thing. I mean, they got corn. That's a vegetable, right? No, we've talked about this. It's a grain. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so let's do a little bit of history. So we know that it's at Knott's Berry Farm, which is this huge huge amusement park. Troy, why don't you give us a little backstory on Knott's Berry Farm? Well, Knott's Berry Farm is a place that we went many, many of times. They have some good roller coasters. They have a ghost town. They have all these different things. Snoopy on ice. So when it's hot, we used to go in the summer. So you'd always go into Snoopy on ice midday, you know, charge up the batteries. You get a nice little iced show. Snoopy, he was pretty, actually, he was probably one of the worst skaters I, the dude's wearing a, a Snoopy outfit and he's doing like a single or a double axle <laughs> on ice skates. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, I couldn't even do that on flat ground on the moon. So you got to tip your cap to him. But it was one of the amusement parks we would go because it's a little bit less crowded than Disneyland. I mean, they actually had more thrill rides. They had a drop zone. They had a big wooden roller coaster. So the park itself was pretty fun. We'd always go during the week. And the only people that would be there besides us were summer camp. So it wasn't that crowded. You get on any ride you wanted. But the only reason why we really liked to go to Knott's Berry Farm was the old chicken dinner house. Zach, break it down for us. All right. So Knott's Berry Farm is America's oldest theme park. But it didn't really start that way. So in 1934... Walter Knott, who invented the boysenberry. Fun fact. Invented it. Mixed a blackberry and a loganberry. I don't even know what a loganberry is. If you have to ask, can't afford it. Well, he and his wife, Cordelia Knott, uh, they have their berry farm just on the side of the, the road. I know it's tough to picture Southern California of just being like orange groves and berry farms, but there was a time when that was the case. So they're selling berries on the side of the road, and they're just not making enough money. So they open up their farmhouse and they start selling tea and biscuits in their tea room in their home they're having people stop and come and get tea and biscuits well that wasn't doing enough because the business was super seasonal too because you just sell berries in the summer you can't get fresh boysenberries in the winter not a lot of people were traveling in the winter though either back in the 30s so during the summer it was when people would make their you know move go get their berries and so Walter comes up with an idea. Cordelia, why don't you make your famous fried chicken and we'll sell it. And then while they're there, we get them with the boysenberries. Yeah, because that's where we're going to make our money is when they finish their dinner. They're like, wow, that was delicious. I need a lot of boysenberries and jam. So that was their game plan. She had made the chicken dinner quite often for her neighbors, and the neighbors were like, man, this is good. You should do that more. So when Walter gave that idea, they said, why not? So their first time out, um, they had eight dinners sold. They charged 65 cents, and they used their wedding china <laughs> to serve it on. Can you imagine that? You're in someone's farmhouse's tea room, and you're eating on their wedding china for 65 cents. So Cordelia didn't even want to get into it because she didn't want to run a restaurant. But within weeks, the place is packed, especially on weekends. They got to get the whole family involved. And now they have a restaurant, the last thing that they wanted. So by the end of 1934, they can seat 20 people. 
By 1936, they can seat 70 people. So in 1936, they're serving 620 dinners per, you know, weekend. per weekend. And then by Thanksgiving the following year, they're doing 1,700 with lines as long as three hours. And we've waited in lines before to go in. Now, three hour long line, but obviously this chicken is good. Today, well, they- Grammy would like way back in the day to our great grandma. She was to 99 was 99 she used to wait in like super early because they're from southern california and this is like a tradition like mother's day you'd always mother's day was this was the place to go but they would go all the time to it and they would wait in the long line so walter not being the inventor that he is well they're gonna wait three hours let's give them something to do so it starts real small they add music boxes then a rock garden then waterfalls then a gigantic volcano, and then eventually a ghost town, which would become the theme park. And then baby steps to huge steel upside-down flip roller coasters and <laughs> you know, Camp Snoopy. Ba- and Baby steps to 8 o'clock. So this restaurant is so popular that now they serve 1.5 million guests per year. That's a lot for one restaurant. It's a lot of chickens. It's a lot of chicken. Two, when they first started it, too, the family had to go and catch the chickens and skin them and clean them before they fed them. So when they started to get popular, I don't even know. Well, it's a thousand chickens a day that they're going through. So I don't think they're going out back to catch a thousand chickens. You don't know. I've seen it happen on Rocky. So, so along with the other stuff along the way, one of the things when you get real close to the front of the line is you get to see the guest book. Back in the day, they would have you sign in that you had dinner there, and you'd see all the old celebrity signatures on the wall on the way in. You'd have old presidents, old f- famous, you know, actors, actresses, and it was pretty cool. As you're yeah, you'd have like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore and those types of people. The Southern California folks taking care of business. So of, as of late, you know, they've been around for <laughs> 80 years. They had to make some re- uh, renovations in the restaurant. They added a full bar, which, I mean, after a full day at an amusement park, signed me up. And they added some outside seating. So while you're eating your chicken dinner, you can listen to the wooden roller coaster? Question mark? Jackpot. <laughs> Maybe catch a selfie stick. Why wouldn't you? Oh, my gosh. I just got hit by sunglasses. Yeah, so we also... So on top of the other stuff that's there, now they have shops and stuff. So while we're waiting, we don't you can't get into the ghost park because it's part of the actual theme park inside the fence. But they've got shops where you can look at stuff. And we always buy like sports memorabilia and Just Snoopy stuff. And those types of things are we? And they get you. Candles. You know, the parents would wait in line and we'd just go kind of run around to the different stores, which I'm sure they loved. There. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, because then we go back, grab a parent, go and buy it. All right, let's go. Let's talk about this food. Oh, I'm in. Because the more that we went, the earlier chicken dinner came. Like we'd go to the theme park and be like, I'm getting kind of burned out. Let's just go to chicken dinner house now. Because we used to when we were younger, we'd try to push it off as long as we could so we can go on more rides. But be like 11 30 i think it's time for dinner yeah we've been on two rides let's go get some biscuits (laughs) all right so let's talk about the food now there's only one thing that you can get there's a full menu i think weston got like a 
sourdough bowl or something. And we yeah, made fun of him. Clam chowder. I don't even know. I think it had a chicken leg in it. You're not allowed to get that. So you gotta get the you gotta get the full dinner. And try give us a rundown of what you get with the dinner and what your choices are. So they're gonna go ahead and start. You're gonna have uh, two decisions to make right off the bat. You're gonna either need chicken noodle soup or cherry rhubarb. I personally always go with the chicken noodle soup. It comes in a little bowl and it is delicious. Are you? I've never had cherry rhubarb, but Gigi would always get cherry rhubarb. Yeah, I'm a chicken noodle soup guy. You'd also get a fresh dinner salad. I heard that those are good. I don't know. I usually get it with ranch. I, I eat it. I substitute out the lettuce for French fries. So. Perfect. I love a good crouton on a <laughs> bowl of French fries. And then your next decision you got to make is cabin cabbage seasoned with ham or sweet kernel corn. It feels like we always get corn. Always. Because you can kind of mix it in with mashed potatoes, which we'll talk about in a second. But anything seasoned with ham seems like something that we would eat a lot more. We should be eating a lot more. I think the cabbage part throws us off when we stop reading. Then we don't even know it has ham in it. We just catch the end of the word Mm -hmm. ham while we're looking at the corn. Uh, Ham? Nope, I'm out. All right, and then also while you're waiting, I mean, this is a lot that goes in on this dinner. So you can tell why we like it so much because it's so much food. You get hot buttermilk biscuits. And the new thing that they have is boysenberry butter, which is a little extra, but it sounds amazing. But when we used to go, they'd have, you know, the jam, the Knott's jam there. And obviously, if you invented a berry, your jam's going to be pretty good. So everyone would go with the boysenberry jam, put that on the old biscuit while we're waiting. Smuckers did buy out their jelly line, though. So it said Smuckers the last time on, the last time we were there. Maybe very sad. I think they've gone back on that, and they just, they're using the Knott's Berry Farm name again. You have to. Yeah, I have Knott's Berry Farm jam in my fridge again. I think they did the Smucker switch and then they lost all credibility. Yeah, you can't do that. So also that comes with your main course, um, mashed potatoes and gravy. I love to make, like Zach said, mashed potatoes and gravy with a little floating sweet kernel corn. Sign me up. It's a good little mixture. And then the fried chicken itself, you can now get all white meat. I don't know why you would, but... Um, that's extra. Take out the pigmentation of your chicken. I don't get it. I'll pay less to get the better <laughs> chicken. That's fine. Yeah, so it comes with a. It usually comes though with a thigh, a leg, and a breast, if I remember. It's a lot of chicken after we've already eaten like four hundred things. Yeah, so you get all that. So the options for the main course, we kind of just briefly talked about it. There is the one that only option that our family knows is the Mrs. Knott's famous fried chicken. The other ones you can get, and you get all that stuff with it, or the chicken pot pie. The chicken and waffle, which Zach, talking off air, said he may try next time. I mean, it's fried chicken and a waffle. I mean, you're getting best of both worlds. I'm still getting chicken, but plus I get the potential of having syrup. That's I like syrup. Yeah. Is there sugar and syrup? (laughs) Chicken and dumplings. Chicken scampi. Roasted chicken, which I think someone tried. And then the chicken fried steak. I mean, I'm sure they're they're delicious, but if you're going to the chicken dinner house, I think the Mrs. Knott's Famous Fried Chicken is the way to go. Yeah, if you started a theme park based on how good your fried chicken is, I'm going to get that. If you're waiting in a line anywhere from an hour to hour and a half, and you're going to go in and get like a BLT, stop it. (laughs) Don't wait in line with me, at least. 
and then at the end there, um, you get to go ahead and choose your dessert. Um, you get to choose between boysenberry or apple pie. Or you can get vanilla ice cream, or you can get boysenberry sherbet. Me not being a big pie guy, I always got the vanilla ice cream. I know that's very bland. Oh, boysenberry pie is where it's at. I'm sure it's amazing. It's very, very, very good. And that's a fruit, boysenberry. And then after we eat all of that, depending on everyone's feeling, we go ride roller coasters afterwards. You got to. You know, you eat that big meal. I'm just telling you, though, waiting in that line, smelling it, it's just... It's like you're waiting in the line to go on a roller coaster, to go in and sit down. And they bring it just... It's a better payoff than a roller coaster, too. Definitely. They just bring it spitfire real quick. It's like, oh, my gosh, there's corn. Oh, my gosh, there's a biscuit. Oh, my gosh. There's my chicken noodle soup. Bingo, bingo, bongo. Would you... With that big meal, what kind of alcoholic drink would you get? You can't drink a beer. Boysenberry... Whatever. And vodka. Is that a thing? You can do it. should it. be. Why would not? Yeah. All right. I think that's all we have. I love Chicken Dinner House. I kind of want to go right now, but we can't. Oh. Everything's closed. It's a bummer. Maybe the to-go's open. I haven't looked since it's in Southern it's California. Str- it's straight up closed. I looked today. <laughs> of course Just you Just to see if uh, yeah. DoorDash would bring it to me here. Yeah. Been- huge delivery fee. It'd be totally worth it. Yeah. I mean, your order would be huge too, though. I'll get two meals just in case. Mm. <laughs> all right, I think that's all we got. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Remember That Thing. Have you ever asked out a girl and she said yes? You went out to dinner and she ordered a cup of croutons and a medium rare chicken? During dinner, she talked about her pet dragonfly named William, who she taught to sit and fetch? You gave her the wrong number and she finds you on Facebook and now you're in a relationship? No? Well, on Dating Confessions with Elisa and Jack, this is just a mild tale. My favorite episode is How Much Cheese is Too Much Cheese. Make yourself feel good. Listen to others' terrible dating stories while you laugh and drink wine. Again, listener discretion is advised. But fun is guaranteed. Hey, remember that thing? The moon landing. Jazz. Trapper keepers. Manners. Alf. Sunny D. Yeah, I remember those things. All right, this week for Remember That Thing, we have the dating confessions as our sponsor this week, and uh, this happened to just pop up in my timeline. I forgot that it was around this time of the year, but we're going to be talking about our proposal stories, each of us. It's pretty wild. You know, you think back, I mean, it was quite a long time ago for Zach and myself. It's kind of fun to remember it and all the different feelings you had, you know. Let's just kind of break down how it went. I mean, some of it the girls probably don't even know, especially the lead up. Heather said she was very interested to hear my side of the story because we actually just watched our wedding video the other day because Harper wanted to do it. And we told our engagement story during the wedding. And I was like, that's not quite how I remember it but <laughs> wait you weren't holding the cheer up <laughs> so we'll give a well and so I'll give I'm gonna do mine first chronologically so, yeah, chronologically I think that's how you say it yeah Zach got we've been practicing for about an hour how to say that word <laughs> Zach got engaged and married first so we're gonna start with that one all right so March 31st 2011 it happened to be both Cesar Chavez day and the opening day of baseball. But we're going to give you a quick recap of where we're at in uh, the history of Zach. 
I don't think there's anything more romantic than Cesar Chavez Day. It was a very busy day, which we'll get into. So, all right. So at this point, uh, March of 2011, Heather and I had been together for almost five years at this point, like very, very, very close to five years at this point. Heather's got me on an unofficial shot clock, five years or I'm out, which is fair. That's a really long time to be dating somebody without anything else happening. So, Well, I was in the same boat, but we'll hear about that later. <laughs> So on top of that, Heather's parents are about to move across the country. So she's all confused. She might be moving with them if something doesn't happen. And then mom's been asking me to marry Heather for about two years at this point, every single day. I don't, I know mom. That really doesn't sound like her. (laughs) (laughs) It was her and Wendy, actually. Um, So the other thing that was going on um, that particular weekend, so I had the idea we're gonna just we're gonna go to Disneyland. Heather likes Disneyland. We'll do it there. I have a ring. We'll figure it out when we get there. So between that plan, uh, Tyler's bachelor party also happened to be that weekend, right before we went. So I just took time off of work for both of them together. So we went right from one to the other. So after this long weekend. Or we would like went in the middle of the week because I think Grand Sierra just lets us stay for free if it's like during the week. Yeah, yeah you can have a free suite. It's fine. <laughs> just come up here and gamble. It's Wednesday. So we do that. I packed my clothes for both trips just so that I wouldn't have to do it. The only thing I didn't bring to Reno, which I'm glad I didn't, was the engagement ring. That would have ended up at a pawn shop or something. Absolutely. I would have put it on the table on double zero roulette. I neither won 35 more of them or had a really, really bad weekend. It's a long hour and a half ride home. (laughs) You're putting your ring on green. (laughs) All right. So we we head back. I'm home just long enough to grab the ring from mom's house. I think that's where we have it at this point. And then Heather and I are on our way. Um, Like, I think that same day. We're going down that night. We drive down. After a long, long couple days in Reno. I feel sick just <laughs> thinking about how you felt on that drive. Six, seven hours in the car. We get there, um, I think it's like 10 o'clock in Anaheim. We, uh, we did our first ever hot wire. It was, I think it was new at that time. We ended up at Hotel Menage. I never even heard of it. You probably don't even, you're looking at me like, I don't even know what that is. But Sounds inappropriate. Yes, <laughs> it was. Uh, it's right by the park. It's actually a really nice hotel. We get there, the fireworks are going off. I was like, "All right, this is cool. I need to go to sleep." <laughs> so we go to sleep. Heather's got me up super early the next morning because we got to get to the park. It's Disneyland, right? So I go look through my bag to look for clothes. I don't think anything of it. I'm mean, getting engaged that day, right? Yeah. So you think you should be dressed nice? No, nah, I don't. I didn't even think about it until I got in the park. I'm just thinking, how am I going to hide this ring in my pocket? Sounds like, hey, today's the first day of baseball. I wore my Beat the Giants Dodger shirt today. That's perfect. Totally smart, right? Yeah. When I think back of what should I be wearing when my engagement <laughs> pictures, I mean, when I'm getting engaged, that's what I want to be wearing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I didn't really, and I didn't really have a lot of clean clothes left. It was just like a couple of shirts and then some shorts and it was hot that day. I was like, well, I'll wear these. These are nicer shorts, but I'm wearing this shirt. It's opening day baseball. I don't care. 
Um, so we walk to the park. I've got the ring in my pocket. I'm like scared the whole time that I'm going to either go lose the pocket and she's going to notice that there's like this weird bulge in my pocket. I mean, you don't really have to worry about that. I know. That's You're, what you just kind of have like random lumps all over the place. <laughs> I am shapes. Yes. Um, I, I made it through security somehow without them asking anything, which was nice. I think I just walked right through, which works out. So we do the normal things. Heather doesn't think anything of it. So we go, she's like, let's just go to Indiana Jones. Perfect. When you have a ring in your pocket, right? I'm just like, can we just go on like the carousel or somewhere where there's no chance that this <laughs> ring's going to fall out? We do jungle cruise. So we're like in the, well, we're like on the boat in the water. She's hanging you over the side of the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure our selfie, you got to lean right over the side of this water. Pocket first. Yeah. Make sure you're upside down while you do it. And I was like, all right, I can't, I can't do this anymore. So I was like, let's go to Space Mountain because I got to get this picture. We got to get to the castle or somewhere where we can get our picture taken. So I was like, let's go to Space Mountain. And if you've been to Disneyland, it's like the complete opposite side of the park. And like so far total, yeah, total bad move at Disneyland and a lot of wasted time. There's an old guest Vito who's probably just cringing right now (laughs) listening to that. So we walk towards the castle, and I'm just like holding my pocket, trying to make sure that she doesn't notice that it's there. I still have like no plan at this point of what I'm going to be doing. We get over to near the castle. I'm like, let's take our picture by the castle. What? Yeah. And somehow Heather didn't catch on what was going on. She's got to be looking at me like, what? You hate taking your picture. Yeah. It's literally your least favorite thing at Disneyland is taking pictures. All right, whatever. Let's do it. So they got the guys there with the cameras that take your pictures and you get the card or whatever and they you go pick it up. They don't have the fancy send it right to your phone thing like they do now. So he's taking the pictures and I'm just like, I'm frozen. I don't know what to do. This poor guy's taking like 15 pictures of me, which is like this stupid dumb look on my face <laughs> while I'm thinking of what to do. He's done. Heather's looking at me like, are you seriously want to keep taking pictures? And then, like, right when we're just about done, I finally get up the courage, and I was like, can you just take one more? I take the ring out. I get down on one knee. She gets all excited. Now, the fun part about it is that, so I'm just doing this in the front of the castle at Disneyland at 10 o'clock in the morning when everyone's walking down Main Street. Perfect. There is, I don't know, maybe 15 different people that are taking pictures, and oh, my God, like, going on at the same time. And They probably thought you were a plant. Probably, yeah. That's a big trout Disney to fairy tale weddings. <laughs> so I'm there. We got our pictures. We've got, and then I don't. I don't think about it past that. And I just kind of like black out after that point. So Heather says yes. The next thing I remember is being at Pizza Port, and then we're calling our parents to let them know. Are you sure you didn't propose at Pizza Port? That might have been, that might have been the story. <laughs> if I didn't have a photo that sits on uh, by the TV at Mom's house showing me down on one knee, I'm glad I did that because it's, glad it's you documented. Got, I'm glad you got back up. Yeah, yeah. I took a team. <laughs> Luckily, all those people were there watching us. Someone got hurt around you, so you right. just took the knee. I like it. So we got we got to Pizza Planet. We called all our uh, called our family and our friends, everyone that knew that what was going on, and then. Uh, we made our post to Facebook and then just kept checking the likes. And it was probably the biggest post we've ever had, even though Facebook was pretty new at the time. FBO, baby. Yeah. 
And then we just went right back to Disneyland at that point. We were just like, you got, I mean, you're paying that much. You better go jump on Splash Mountain. It's Churro right here. Let's go get a Churro. (laughs) It's just like, love it. Yeah. Here, put this, uh, put this ring box in your purse. I'm done carrying it for now. I'm good. Yeah. Hold that ring on your finger too. She was probably super nervous. The ring was going to fly off on one of the rides. You just hung out in the tiki room. Oh, once it's on, like once she's got it on, because she's not used to having the ring. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty cool story. Yeah, we're like walking around the park and she's all excited because she's got the ring and there's like random people, hey, beat the Giants, like point at me. <laughs> just like, like, I think it was later in the afternoon that it dawned on me that I was wearing that shirt and I was like, I probably shouldn't have worn that shirt. This is, that was kind of dumb. I see her just walking around like Jim on the office when he's pretending he's a bed bug all smug. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's pretty awesome and then you guys obviously got married and still married yeah she said yes <laughs> and then um we got married the following year she said yes then too shocked me both times she didn't say yes she said i do no she said yes <laughs> she's not very good at repeating she's very informal <laughs> informal informal that's my unformal, favorite yeah all right well let's jump into mine now this was a little bit later Sarah and I, we started dating in December of 2009. We were in Las Vegas for a softball tournament. We had just turned 21, so it was a pretty fun and epic trip down there. Um, We talked about our, as things went going, we talked about our future more. And Sarah said that she didn't want to get engaged or think about marriage until after she graduated. Um, So I waited as long as I could and... We got engaged at her um, graduation party, so I made it as long as I could. So this was May of 2014, and I was ready, you know, just to get down on one knee and make it happen, Captain. The things I remember the most are, well, first we... Where where was this party? Because apparently I wasn't there. <laughs> this was in mom and dad's, was, but I'll get to that. Okay. I still have some... I was talking with Heather today. I was like, where did Troy get engaged with Sarah? And she's like... It was at their graduation party. You were there. And I was like, no, I don't think I was there. And so for people that don't know, this is like college graduation party. It wasn't like... It was eighth grade. (laughs) College graduation party. Okay, so the things that I remember, like before all this happened, obviously, I was super formal and Sarah and I went to Shanko. (laughs) She went ahead and picked out the one that she liked and I put it on layaway. And so she knew that I was going to ask, but she didn't know when. So Similar for me, Heather sent a picture to me. Yeah. This is the ring that I want when you do it. And I went to Shanko and I held up my phone. I said, I want this one. (laughs) Smart. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) It was nice that we got the sizing because she was there and all that. So she knew I was going to do it, um, but I chipped away and finally paid it off. And I'm like, wow, this graduation party, this is going to be perfect. So first, I was super nervous. Uh, Mom, dad, and myself, we went to Chili's. And I told them. What did you get? I got, I think it was the chicken crispers with fries. Okay. Um, But I was super nervous told mom and dad they were super excited you know mom super excited i think she called all her friends and was super excited if i didn't say that already <laughs> but this was also the same trip i believe that dad had the pretzel bread injury so he got a sandwich and so on that sandwich 
they use like this pretzel bread for the bun and he bit into it and cut his lip. So I'm telling them that I'm getting married. And the whole time during this lunch, he's just has this little cut on his lip that's bleeding. And I think he finished the dinner with like a piece of napkin stuck to his <laughs> lip as I'm trying to tell him everything that happened. Like he cut himself shaving? Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, pretzel bread, dad. <laughs> of course. So I told them, you know, everyone's super excited. I let them know kind of what my game plan was. I wanted to do it. Well, first I told them that we're going to do a graduation party at their house because that's kind of what we do because I love to host. And then I was even more nervous as I went and asked Sarah's mom. So I went to Sarah's mom's house. I had to do it when Sarah wasn't there. I don't know. Maybe she was at work or and I wasn't because I worked in the mornings. How did that conversation go for you to invite yourself over? I told her I needed to just talk to her about something. Oh, okay. Just one of those, like, she was probably... Hey, I got donuts. <laughs> you want some? So I go over there, and I'm super nervous, and, you know, kind of ask her. She's super excited. And she, I think her response was, of course it's okay, Troy, or something like that. Something that Marianne would say. And so I felt so much better about it. So, you know, I, I let everyone know what was happening. I, I let her brother, her brother was there, too, and... uh let him know. Um, and then we start planning the party and you know, I like to plan parties and I like to plan stuff. So I'm planning this whole party. I think there was not you, but there's like 20 to 30 people there, all her family, our family, all our close friends at the time. And so we're eating, we're drinking, we're all having a good time. And again, I have the ring in my pocket and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Then I'm like, okay, I have a good idea. But some of the guests were a little late arriving. And I had mentioned to a lot of people, though, that mid-party that I was going to do this. So I was still waiting. I think it was her cousins or someone like that that we were waiting for. So I wanted to make sure everyone was there that was invited and said they were going to be there. Make sure they got the gate code. Make sure they got there on time. So I decide that the best way to do this is... I go up to Sarah, I go, hey, Sarah, let's go in front of everyone and talk to them and thank them for coming. She looks at me, she's like, what? <laughs> she hates talking in front of people. So, of course, I take her up there anyways. We thank everybody. I have her thank everybody. And I go, oh, and one last thing. And then it was like, it was May, so it was hot. And I was in shorts in the backyard. You know how that ground gets. Yeah. So I take the knee, ask her to marry me. This may surprise you. As I'm asking her in front of everyone, I start tearing up and choking up <laughs> i know and she says yes and it was amazing it was one of those like relief like i knew it's one of those things like you're super nervous even though you know the outcome that they're most likely gonna say yes but it's one of those things that's awesome uh we got married the following year september 2015 we've been married ever since it's crazy when you think back on it though that's Nine years ago for me. That was yeah. a long time ago. Six years ago. It's wild. Awesome times. Yeah. All those little, you know, different step stones in your life and got us to all pretty good places. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That was fun. I was think that's like the... That was different. Yeah, I don't think we've ever talked about feelings on a show before. Let's not do that again. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Let's go back to talking about pizza. Okay, that's our expertise. I, like I think there was pizza at the party. And I went to Pizza Port. So nice. there it is. Yeah, ties it all back together. It was together. just a big transition to tell us pizza stories. Yeah. <laughs> Pepperoni. A very long pizza story. 
All right. Well, I think that's all we're going to do for Remember That Thing. We will take a quick break and come back with Sports Show. Do you like the sweet taste of Mountain Dew? Do you like your vodka to be both inexpensive and flavored like melons? Then have we got a beverage for you. From the minds of the hosts of the wildly popular podcast that shares its name, we bring you the Spivey Special. One part Mountain Dew, three to four parts Burnett's Watermelon Vodka. 100% fun. Drink one at your next party or at 3 a.m. playing Halo 3. Please enjoy responsibly. Sports Chug with the Spivey Brothers. Cubs are good. Get the ball to big country. Generic soccer take. All right, that's enough. I'm out of breath. All right, this week for Sports Jog, we'll be talking about the malice in the palace. Such a good memory. I mean, it was terrible for the NBA at the time, but I think it actually turned out pretty good for him. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think this turned out well for anybody. Not for the NBA, not for any of the players involved. Just us at home. Yeah, that's what I meant. It was a very entertaining evening. Um, watching what was going on. So well, for, let's start off with a kind of a where we're at in the NBA rather than jumping in right into run our test punching people. Let's let's get a little backstory on where we're at, what the landscape of the NBA is and kind of how we got to this escalated point in time. So it's the 2004 season. Your Pistons are your reigning champions. They just uh they had just beaten the Lakers in the finals. They ended the Shaq and Kobe run. Um, the NBA is wide open at this point. Um, they had eliminated the Pacers the year before in the conference finals in a back and forth one. The Pistons are stacked. They've got Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace and Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups and Tayshawn Prince. They've got Larry Brown as their coach. And they just look like they're ready to go back and do it again. It was a weird team where they're just like... Good at defense. Very, very good at defense. Both these teams were. Scored enough to get it done. Now the Pacers at this time, it's kind of a weird point in time trying to think of what the Pacers were in 2004. But the year before, they had the best record in the NBA. They won 61 games. They look like the best team in the league again this year. They're off to a pretty good start now. The Malice is in... November, so we're not very far into the season at this point. Um, this is Reggie Miller's last season. He had signed a two-year deal. This is the second one. Um, and they're off hard. It, it looks like Reggie might finally get one. There's not like a dominant team in the West that's just going to destroy them. Um, they're playing really good basketball. Now, Ron Artest specifically is playing really good. This is his best season probably of his career. He's averaging 24 game. Um, he looks like he has a chance of being all NBA. He's in the running for defensive player of the year. He's just all over the court, but he's also crazy bonkers. Brian Artest, who, uh, applied for a job at circuit city so he can get an employee discount. And he also got suspended for one game because he wanted to take a week off so he could promote his rap album. So you got to get kind out of there. a weird, kind of a weird space that he's in at well, this point. I mean, he eventually changes his name to Metal World Peace. So, I mean, that's all you need to know about the guy. He had also thought about, he almost retired before the season because his grandma died and he was in a weird headspace, which again, might, that's normal headspace. Might uh, explain some things going into this story, but that's where we're at. So we've got two rival teams, the two best teams in the East, 
Um, they had played like a week before this game. Uh, the Pistons won big in the, the previous matchup, and the Pacers were ready for a comeback. So we're going to come to our game. November 19th, 2004, we're in the Palace in Auburn Hills, and it is on. Just to give a quote before we start, Jermaine O'Neal was quoted as saying, as bad as it looked on TV, it was 20 times worse in person. So that's just kind of like a precursor to about what we're about to talk about. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall or a guy in the upper deck during this game. Upper deck, definitely. I don't want to be anywhere near where Ron's running. Absolutely <laughs> not, or any of these other people. So there's 49 or 45.9 seconds left in the game. Pacers are up 15. This game is over at this point. My question before any of this is why I, why Ben Wallace and Ron Artest are in the game at this point? I know there was a lot of injuries on the Pacers, but... The Pacers had no one left on the bench, and I think the... There was only a couple starters left for the Pistons at this point, too. I think it was just just Sheed and Ben at this point, and it was kind of the game's winding down. There's 45 seconds left, and it's a 15-point game. The game's over. So um, Ben Wallace comes down the lane. Ron Artest fouls him kind of hard. Like, Ben Wallace kind of overreacts. I mean, it was kind of hard in today's NBA. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't that bad hard of a foul it looked like he just wanted Ben Wallace to have to shoot free throws because he's historically bad at it well I think too I think Brom was probably upset that he was even driving at that point because he came off his man to foul him yeah and he's Ron Artest <laughs> yeah he's he's a loose cannon so who knows what's going on so Ben Wallace classic overreact he pushes Ron Artest now Ben Wallace is a big dude so when he shoves Ron Artest he pushes him back like 15 feet like from the key almost to the three-point line that he's backpedaling. Um, so he shoves him pretty good. But then we just get into like a baseball-style brawl. So everyone's holding everybody back and doing the... Coaches are don't in Don't let there. me get real close. Yeah, don't okay. let me throw a punch that I know it's not going to land. Right, the coaches are just trying to get it separated. Ron Artest doesn't look like he's that interested like he had been suspended twice recently for fighting. So he's just like, I'm just going to stay off to the side. And at some point he's just laying down on the table, trying to calm himself down, relax, not get in any of the scuffle. Cause like you said, he doesn't want to get suspended again. So he's laying there and all of a sudden out of nowhere. So they're, they're talking about it. Like it's a fight. Like that would have been a big deal. That would have been on sports center and they would have been, we would have been Stephen A. Smith would have been talking about it the next day. But then um, Marv Albert and Bill Walden, who are calling the game, Bill Walden didn't do that great of announcing. I wish it could have been someone with a little better color for this event. Yeah, he's not the best. So they're talking about player. who's going to get ejected, and they're saying, like, well, can they just end the game? There's 45 seconds left. Let's just call it. It's a 15-point game. It doesn't matter. Can they just end it? Now they go back to show the foul again because that's what you do because there's a stoppage in play. So they show the replay. And during the replay, you hear Marv Albert say, and now our test is in the stands. And we're just like, what? What just happened? <laughs> so what happened was as uh, our test is laying on the scores table, a cup comes out of the stands and hits him right in the chest. Right. But while watching this, we have no we idea don't know that. that this happened. So. This is the order of events that happens while we're watching the game on TV, um, if you go back and watch it. So 
We hear Marv Albert say, and now are tested in the stands, which is already unprecedented at this point. So Ron goes into the stands and he goes after a fan. Um, he looks like he's gonna like the fan is like super surprised, obviously, because Ron Artest is coming up the <laughs> stairs. He's just got this blank look, like, oh my god, he's he's right here. Uh, so they kind of get into it. A second fan throws a beer at Ron Artest from point blank. Apparently, it's the same fan that is trying to hold Ron Artest back from finding him. We'll we'll talk about who these people are and the repercussions for that in a little bit. Crazy enough as it is, like maybe we think this is going to end. Steven Jackson comes off camera left, full speed, punches beer throwing dude in the face, and we're just like, okay, so this is happening. This is like next level that's going on. So Rashid Wallace sees this. He had been trying to break up the fight with Ben Wallace the whole time. Rashid Wallace is climbing like two rows at a time to get up there to try to hold everybody back. Which is already weird because Rashid Wallace is usually in the middle of everything. Right. So like it's starting to lull back down. Like everything's calming down. looks like there's some peace. Rashid Wallace is holding people back. And then the fans erupt. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin's music just hit or something. (laughs) Yeah. And we're just, again, you're just like, well, now what's happening? There's a fan on the court, according to Marv Albert. He said that, all right, now there's a fan on the court. Like he's wearing a Pistons jersey or whatever. Rip Hamilton jersey. And we see Jermaine O'Neal. Like we don't think anything at the time. Jermaine O'Neal runs from maybe the three-point line on the other side of the court, full speed to the other side. I don't think of anything of it at this point. Because this was in front of their bench, the Pacers bench. Right. It was in front of the Pacers bench. He's on the other side of the court. You just see him running. But we don't we don't think anything about it. The fans start throwing bottles. Like the whole court is just covered in beer and soda. And I saw some pretty big things get thrown during this. And they're booing, which is what you should be doing. Chairs. During the situation. Yeah, somebody threw a chair. Um, so they just call the game. They send the Pacers back to the locker room. They have to have like four or five security guards per player walk the players back because they're just getting beer dumped on them. There's just random objects flying through the air. Um, they're heated too. Yeah. Oh, no. The Most of them are just trying to get out of the way. Like there's this one goofy white dude. I don't even know his name. Number 44. I can't remember what his name is. I don't is. even remember what his name is. <laughs> but he's just going back. He's like, what did I do? And he's on his way back. And then Jermaine O'Neal has come down the tunnel. He's got his shirt off. And he's trying to fight these people that are dumping beers on him. And, like, there's four grown security, like, bouncer guys trying to hold him back and push him down the tunnel. Um, At this point, Larry Brown, the head coach of the Pistons, he gets on the mic. And he says to the fans, the game is over. You will leave in an orderly fashion. And you will not come onto the court. That's the tone that he takes with the fans. (laughs) And then he throws the mic down. And he's all angry. And he kind of walks off. So we start getting to replays at this point. So oh, yeah. we're right Lotic. now, we're just confused. What happened? Why is Ron Artest punching people? What is going on? And then we, then we start seeing the replays. And this is where it starts getting a little more interesting. We're finding out like what happened. Yeah, just How did it get to this? Live is just kind of like, what the heck just happened? Right. And, and most people have no idea what's going on or why it even got there. So at this point... We found out that a fan threw a bottle at Ron Artest. Hit him it in hit the chest. While he's laying down on the table. Um, one of the guys that's doing the side-by-side reporting said the guy like came down and threw it at him point blank. Hmm. Like he was really close. 
like one of the color guys. He's like, yeah, I was standing like three feet away. The dude just came right down. He was point blank. He just threw the bottle around our test. Um, so that's what we find out. So they just cut to the final score. And then we go to the, the after game highlights. Like they just cut the broadcast. There's no more after that. And then we got like Michael Wilbon and like a really young Stephen A. Smith. And they're just going they're crazy. They're like, well, trying to figure out what's going on. Stephen <laughs> A. Smith is like, yeah, they should have been fighting these guys. Like he's got that take, which sure. That's not surprising. I could see that. That sounds like a Stephen A. Smith thing to say. So this is where we find out we got new replays at this point. So not only do we have Ronald Tess getting hit by the cup, the guy that was on the court when the fans erupted, they erupted because the guy came on the on the court, drew a fist back like he was going to fight, and Ron Artest punches him in the face and, and slips because it's like yeah, it's like a Beer slip and slide everywhere. out there. Um, and then that same guy, he gets back up, and the reason that Jermaine O'Neal was running over to the other side, it was so that he could also slide in and punch the same guy in the face. Yeah, if you're a large man wearing a Rip Hamilton jersey, I think you deserve to get punched a couple times. Right. So now we've got we've got the full story, and then we're just dealing with the aftermath at this point. So Trey, why don't you run us through all of the suspensions and uh, charges that were brought up against people? And the suspensions were wild. So this was on November nineteenth, two thousand four. So we're maybe ten games into the season, if that. Yeah, it's November 11th, and usually start near... The 19th, yeah. Yeah. So our test, he got suspended for the rest of the season, which makes sense. He was the one who kind of instigated all of it. Right. Um, Steven Jackson gets 30 games. Jermaine O'Neal gets 25. Another guy on the Pacers, Johnson, got five. Reggie Miller, the other Pacer that got suspended and all this, got one game, and that was just for leaving the bench. He was hurt. He was just in his... Yeah, he's in street his suit. Yeah. yeah. Ben Wallace got six games because he kind of really got everything going with the two-hand shove early because I don't think he was involved in any of the after. He didn't hit any fans for sure. No. And he had a chance to escalate it because he was just standing there next to Ron Artest at some point. And then three other Pistons got one game for leaving the bench. Campbell, Coleman, and Billups. If you add up all the salaries that were lost due to these, expe- due to these suspensions, it was $11 million that got lost. So it shows that Ron Artest wasn't really making that much money. Well, in today's NBA. Yeah. Back yeah. then, that was a decent amount. That would have been a lot of money at the time. So two other things. But the guy who threw the drink at Ron Artest has been banned for life forever going to a Pistons game. And another guy got charged for a felony because he threw a chair. <laughs> he Bobby Knighted at the game? Yeah. It probably hit people. I've, I saw a lot of like pictures of people with blood. and when they were? Coming down the tunnel, there was large objects that were flying over those rails and like from the upper deck and stuff. <laughs> it wasn't like the guy, like the guys at the rail were dumping their beers, but yeah. there was like popcorn buckets and they were obviously not coming from anywhere close to that. No, they were hucking them. And they were probably hitting other fans. Yeah, because you're not going to make it all the way down there. I remember at a Kings game, I got really mad at the refs once and everyone threw their glow sticks onto the court. Were you at that game? I remember of it. I chucked one from the upper deck. I'm pretty sure I probably hit somebody. I don't, oh, think, it, I don't no, think I made it to the no court. no way. <laughs> but if everyone's throwing glow sticks, you got to get in on it. Why wouldn't you? You're the problem. 
So I have I heard a really good interview with Ron Artest. It was actually on his podcast. These are my favorite. These are my favorite quotes from Ron Artest during this. As he's going up into the stands, so he, he's lying on the table. He says he's just going to lay there because he's already been suspended twice. So I'm just going to lay here and let it all blow over. He gets hit with a cup. Uh, he sees the guy who does it. Like he, there's two guys that are standing there. It's one of the two guys. He thinks he knows which one it is. And he says, quote, I just wanted to go up and choke him a little bit. <laughs> Spreewell. <laughs> Probably was a big Spreewell guy. I had to guess. And then he said, this is my other favorite quote is, in retrospect, I should have just fought Ben Wallace. I just would have got suspended for five games. Yeah. I was <laughs> probably got suspended for 70 games. So we find out um, there's two fans there. So Ron Artest did see the two. He ended up attacking the wrong one first. The one that you see in the video holding him back is actually the one that threw it. The one that he accidentally attacks bet the other guy 50 bucks he couldn't hit Ron Artest with the beer. I wonder how many beers they were consuming. I mean, they had to have stopped, though, selling after the third quarter. Probably bought, like, four. Well, if they had bottles of alcohol, then they usually, just keep getting them. Well, usually they stop selling, is what I mean, after a certain amount of time. Yeah, like after halfway through. Maybe the- not all arenas. I know just Arco did that. They probably do now. <laughs> Without a doubt. So that $50 bet, it ended up costing, according to Ron Artest, um, about $40 million. Not in salary, but probably like in In endorsements and future deals and all that. Because he would have come up on a pretty big deal, especially if he would have finished that season the way that he was playing. Yeah, but he just moved around a lot of one year, two year. Was a king? He was a king. I think that was the last year they made the playoffs. Probably. Yeah. And it also cost uh, the Pacers the shot of the title, and the window officially closed on Reggie Miller too, all because of this. Now they ended up they did end up being the sixth seed at the end of the year. I think the Pistons were the third seed, but without Ron Artest, who was arguably their best player, um, it wasn't it wasn't quite the same. I just think it's so crazy. We watched back. Obviously, we usually study a little bit before we talk about stuff. And just the feeling you get of just like awkwardness when you're watching as a fan. I just couldn't imagine being there and just thinking what the adrenaline would be like if Ron Artest came up and punched the guy right next to you. I'd be getting out of there so quick. Yeah, would you would you be one of the ones that ran away oh, and yeah. tried to get out of there? Or are you the guy hucking your popcorn from the upper deck into the tunnel? This is like your heated rival. No, I'm just getting nowhere near Ron Artest or Steven Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll maybe throw something at him from 10 rows up. Oh, absolutely. But I'm not getting anywhere. I saw another quote Steven Jackson said, once we realized our coach was punched, we're like, we're in this together. So coaches are getting punched. Yeah, Rick Carlisle, uh, I think Stephen A. Smith interviewed him after the game, and he said, yeah, I stand by all my players. Whatever they did, it was justified. (laughs) Just like... So, like, in that moment, the fans are coming onto the court and throwing beers at you. So, before I heard this, Reggie Miller was talking on this interview. So, before Ron Artest punches fat um, Rip Hamilton, Reggie Miller's holding Artest back, right? And a cop runs up to Ron Artest with his mace out. And he goes, I'm going to mace him. 
to Reggie Miller. He's like, no, he's calm. I have him under control. And then Ron Atars got out of that, and, he, and then he went and punched the fat uh, Rip Hamilton. But the cop just comes out of nowhere with his mace out, and he's about to mace Ron Artest during all this. I it's crazy. <laughs> I can't imagine this whole situation. I can't be. I can't imagine being in. There's no training in for the it. palace. What do you do as security guard? Well, and then the next time they played at home, they like doubled the security and cops. Yeah, you have to. Well, I'm sure a bunch of rules changed at the arenas and. It's crazy. Pretty I just remember that night, though. It's pretty cool. I don't remember if I was watching the game or if I just watched Sports Center for like 15 straight hours after it ended. You'd have to. I mean, that's probably the only thing that was on Sports Center that night, a November. For like the whole week. Oh, yeah. We were probably watching the game, though. Maybe. No, we wouldn't have been watching with 45 seconds left, though. No. 50, no. We would have watched. We probably just would have seen it on Sports Center for like forever. So. Yeah. All right, that was one of my favorite sports memories. I just wanted to get that one in there. It's a goodie. I don't know what guests would be on board with talking about the mouse, but... Ron Artest. <laughs> yeah. He would have talked about it. Definitely one of our uh, one of my favorite memories watching sports. All right, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I want to say thank you to our sponsor, the podcast Dating Confessions with Alicia and Jack, for sponsoring the episode today. If you're looking for a podcast to listen to that's a little bit on the rated R side of things, I mean, that's the one to listen to. I subscribed and I just keep listening to it because they are hilarious and uh, (laughs) they take a lot of funny questions and funny stories from their listeners about their terrible dating experiences. So definitely check that one out. Check us out on social media, at Spivey Special. Troy's an Instagram wizard. Not really. I just find a picture and post it. And by wizard, I mean he has a beard. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes a stick. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's it. We'll be coming back with another episode next week. I don't think we have a guest for next week either. We'll see about the social distancing. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. You're already too close. Six feet is close enough. I can smell you from here. You bet you can. All right. Well, Zach, you're fat. Troy, you're fat. Later. Later.